Imagine having access to a tribe of mentors consisting of some of the best tech leaders in the world, people you may have never heard of, but who in just an hour, you'll know their unfiltered career story, the bets they took, the decisions they made, where they failed, and the lessons that they learned along the way. Welcome to the What Makes You Tick podcast. I'm Tolu, aka The Podfather, and I'm the host of What Makes You Tick. And I am Richard Washington. I'm the founder of Tick Talent. We are delighted to sponsor this week's episode. This week's episode is Filippo. What not to be confused with Felipe. So what did you think of the episode? So Filippo is a very impressive person, obviously from Italy, and has lived in seven different countries, is working in this sort of very important new function that's been created within tech companies around RevOps, and built himself this very strong reputation and a level of respect in the marketplace because he's someone who just goes and asks loads of questions. So this mm. guy's on a call most days with someone within RevOps and tech leadership to ask them about what's going on in the market, share his ideas and share thoughts. So he's got advisory statuses in, in a number of companies and produces a load of value first content. So if you follow Philippe on LinkedIn, you're constantly every week going to get some kind of like bulletproof strategy to think about your marketing and revenue engine, which I think is incredible. And he's just full of passion, full of self-reflection. He's been there and done it. He's not a marketer that's afraid of sales. He's sold. He moved into marketing. He's got the people side. He's got the process side. He's just an impressive character. What impressed you the most? I think, so he's just started his journey in entrepreneurship in terms of having his own company and just watching him do that and hearing his reflections on his first, I think at the time, it was like the first couple of weeks, he was almost already mm -hmm. signing clients and stuff like that. So yeah, just really, really, really impressed me, his, his approach. Absolutely. And did this all in his second language, right? Which whenever we, we're doing these episodes, I think is a, a massive sign of respect that someone is yeah. able to go and do that as well. But he's currently living in France and he's basically lived in seven countries. So there's probably a lot more things that we don't know about Filippo. Mm. So without further ado, let's hear Filippo's career story. Let's roll the VT. Filippo, welcome to the show. It's great to have you on. Thanks for inviting me, uh, Tolu. Uh, and I mean, good morning to you. Thanks for inviting me. Good morning. I'm really looking forward to hearing about your journey. Um, so just before we go into that, what makes you tick, Filippo? Well, I'm a curious person uh, who loves to always explore um, new culture um, and new environments as well. I mean, over the last mm -hmm. 10 years, I already lived in six different countries. Wow. Um, learning my fourth language now. Okay. Uh, introduce new hobbies as well, like uh, from painting uh, to uh, mixing on vinyls uh, to fitness. Uh, mm. um, I like to reinvent myself uh, and uh, okay. learn it from others. Mm -hmm. Where do you think that that's come from? That's a good question. Uh, I would say it comes mostly from uh, uh, having a, uh, a brother with similar interest. My brother okay. has uh, a really similar uh, mindset uh, when it comes to uh, exploring uh, um, new countries, new culture, traveling. Mm -hmm. So definitely my brother and uh, definitely as well all the experience I, I've done over the last uh, 10 years. I mean, I, I left Italy when I was uh, 18 years old, uh, okay. uh, went to UK, uh, worked there, then came back here for like a year, then uh, went to um, to Greece, then to Argentina, then to Denmark. Wow. Now I relocated to uh, to Paris. So um, it was definitely like a, a pretty dense uh, decade. <laughs> so, yeah. so I would say, uh, brother, 
uh, friends as well. Also, my mm -hmm. friends are uh, pretty uh, curious people and also, um, yeah, personal experiences. So these three uh, pillars. Is he your older brother or younger brother? Uh, older brother. I see. I see. So older he was kind brother. of setting the path for you to see and to... okay, I see. I see. And why yeah. did you decide to come to the UK? Say again, sorry. What, what made you decide to come to the UK? Uh, that's a good question. So I just uh, finished my high school. Um, as you probably know, I, we Italians are not that good at, uh, with languages, at least, you know, after high school. Um, so I felt like, uh, um, you know, I could, Im I could have improved uh, uh, my English skills, uh, which is why I decided to uh, go to UK. Mm -hmm. um, I thought it was a good uh, starting point. Uh, yeah for my you know life after high school okay so new culture new language um and then it's pretty common uh, for italians to to move to uk you know after high school to learn the language so it was a okay a natural uh, step it was a natural step let's, let's call yeah. it like that yeah so it's it's a, a way more common step than uh, people think okay okay that's cool and so what happened when you came to the uk what were some of the jobs that you did how did you find yourself in sales yeah, that's, uh, that's a good question. You know, I mean, when I uh, moved to UK, I was 18 years old. So mm -hmm. I was definitely like, I mean, I was away from sales, yeah. uh, but I was still doing sales. You know, I was working as a waiter. Mm -hmm. uh, so this kind of uh, service uh, uh, client facing job, mm -hmm. uh, which taught me a lot actually okay. on how to uh, be more uh, customer centric, right? So mm. um, practice uh, active listening, mm. um, try to you know, learning how to provide honest answers to people mm -hmm, mm -hmm. instead of being, you know, a yes person, just say, ah, okay, uh, let me get back to you around this and uh, see what I can do. You know, this mm -hmm. type of uh, ex um, communication with customers, right? Mm -hmm. um, so that, that taught me a lot. I mean, I spent there like a year uh, working as a waiter, which uh, gave me the foundation of sales. That's yes. what I, always what I, what I, you know, say to myself and also to other people who ask me, like they, that gave me the foundation for sales mm -hmm. um, to be a better listener, Okay. right? Uh, then after that year, I, I got back to Italy uh, to start my, uh, my bachelor uh, in um, economics and management. Basically okay. it was, uh, you know, economics held in English language mm. okay. uh, rather than Italian. Um, so I had uh, my, all my studies held in English. Uh, then I had some exchanges uh, on the way. I uh, went to Greece, I went to Argentina, I learned another language there. Um, uh, and then uh, uh, seven years ago, I decided to, uh, to continue my study and working uh, in sales uh, in Denmark, uh, in Copenhagen okay. specifically. Okay. And what so, was the kind of company you were working for in Copenhagen? Yeah, uh, that's, a, that's a good question, right? So uh, let's say that the years before moving to Copenhagen, I was still in this hybrid, you know, between uh, uh, being yeah. um, um, a student, yes. uh, working part-time mm. uh, to fund my, my life, right? Mm. Uh, but I wasn't really doing uh, work specific to my studies, right? As I moved to Copenhagen, I started working like in uh, software companies. So... Okay. Let's say for all my, um, you know, sales, uh, uh, a revenue-oriented career, I worked in, uh, if I worked for software companies. Um, so my first job uh, in um, in sales was actually, you know, 
SDR, uh, so sales development representative, I was, uh, um, you know, basically leading the full sales cycle for outbound, uh, uh, for outbound sales. Mm -hmm. So I, I had to basically, you know, build a list, pros prospect some companies, mm -hmm. um, and then try to uh, close them. So that was like seven years ago. Yeah. Okay. Time, time flies. Um, mm -hmm. then, uh, the company was really, really early stage. So we're talking about mm -hmm. a company before the million of annual recurring revenue, right? right? Okay. Uh, then I got another opportunity for a bigger company. Mm. Uh, here, the responsibility were, were a little bit lower, but the company was much, much bigger, right? Yeah. So uh, it was a company now around 40 million AR. At that time, it was about 25 okay. million AR. Uh, and that company gave me... A Gave me a great opportunity because it gave me the opportunity to open a new market, which which was the Italian market. Wow! So they told me, okay, you are you are the native Italian here, so mm. you take the market and you try to open it up. Um, the nice thing is that in the other company, in my in the company before that, I had I could choose all the accounts I wanted, right? Mm. Mm. For this, for for, for this uh, next um, career move, basically. Um, I had only to prospect Italian companies hmm. and that gave me the opportunity to learn how to prospect, uh, um, not only, you know, um, uh, small, medium sized businesses, but also mid market and enterprise, uh, hmm. that, that career move helped me to, you know, help me to learn how to prospect enterprise. Hmm. So this is even above like 150 K uh, per year. Hmm. Mm. Um, which for me was a big, big, uh, um, you know, uh, skill uh, boost for sure. Mm. Uh, you know, I learned how to do multi-threading to involve multiple stakeholders um, throughout a long sales cycle, how to uh, add multiple channels to the uh, prospecting efforts, mm. how to connect as well with customer success, mm. how to connect as, as well with marketing to better mm. uh, prospect those accounts um how to integrate more tools in my stack uh while still keeping you know my uh, tech stack lean mm. so i think that gave me a great foundation right of uh, um you know of outbound sales mm. um that was definitely helpful right uh but what i think is that like the move after that was even more helpful because then i had to learn like in the next move, I was basically, you know, head of sales okay. uh, for a really small company, right? Because what I was thinking is, like, hey, I want to, you know, uh, test myself. Mm. And again, we're coming back to, you know, being curious and uh, yeah. Yeah. I wanted to learn always more. I was, hey, I want to test myself in a smaller company with more responsibilities, right? Mm. Mm. So I want to really learn how, you know, CRM works, how I can, uh, you know, set it up. Uh, I want to really learn what it means to actually hire people and mm. then train them. Mm. Right. Mm. Uh, I want to really uh, know what it feels like as well um, to work closely with the CEO. Yeah. Which was something that I couldn't I couldn't really experience in, uh, in the bigger company. Uh, in the two companies. Yeah. So I really wanted to get into this specific, you know, um, learning curve. Right. Mm. Um, that was definitely helpful. Um, unfortunately, you know, after six months, the company wasn't doing that well because of uh, uh, you know investment round. Um, so I felt for me like it was time to uh, expand myself uh, as well. So I was like, okay, you know what? Six months were great, mm. uh, but I don't really see the company growing as much as I would like to. Mm. 
um, the, so basically we were selling an influencer marketing platform, right? Right. Uh, which is a really saturated market. Mm. Um, like there are more than 50 players now and there were like more than 30 players at that moment. So I was like, hey, I, I, re I would like to expand myself. Mm. Um, to be honest with you, I, I thought that the, the job was, was going to provide more learning curve in the long run. Mm. And I felt after six months, you know, um, I was kind of arrived at, uh, you know, at, um, uh, let's say at the tipping point, right? So I was like, hey, okay, let, let, let's try to, to, to find something that fits better what I want to do, which mm. is um, having um, um, a, a more generalist uh, knowledge, right? So mm. to be able to move from sales to also other departments. Mm. And then, you know, I found this uh, opportunity that Shield, um, which is a LinkedIn analytics company, you know, for personal profiles. Um, I remember, you know, it was like during the pandemic, I, st I still had my job at the time. Um, and I know that the CEO was really active on LinkedIn, right? Mm. Uh, at that time, you know, I was doing really sales, you know, so I was like, Hey, okay, I think I can prospect him, you know, I can prospect <laughs> him like he was an account. Yeah. Right. So that was really my mindset at that point. I was like, okay, okay. How do I, how do I get in front of, of, of him? Uh, with a good excuse, pass me the term excuse. So I was like, okay, mm. I really want to understand how the, what is the position, right? Because I, I still had to switch from one role to another one. Mm. So I was like, okay, let me ask another person in the company mm. uh, to be connected to him, right? So I basically asked for a referral to talk to right. him. So I, okay. I contacted like a person more junior than him. Yes. Um, and I was like, hey, um, I would like to talk about this position. I talked to this person on LinkedIn. I have like to talk about this position. Could you connect me to uh, to the person responsible for this uh, position? So I knew he was the CEO, right? But I just mm -hmm. didn't want to, you know, ask yeah. like, can you connect me to the CEO? And the person was like, sure. Uh, talk to him, and I was like, hey, can I ask uh, to mention your uh, referral to him, right? And he was like, yeah, sure, sure, okay. So I contacted him. Uh, I think it was like March eight. No, April 2020, so we were in the middle of uh, mm. uh, the pandemic. Uh, everyone was working full remote at that time. So I contacted him and I was like, hey, I would like to talk about this. Um, but, you know, CEOs are always busy, especially, yeah. you know, an early stage bootstrapped yeah. companies. Yeah. Uh, like the CEO was like super mega busy, right? Especially during the pandemic. So uh, at that point, there were three people working there. Oh. Like I think three people plus, uh, plus someone working part-time. Right. So, um, you know, I had to follow up a lot of times. Um, I started posting also to stay top of mind uh, in front of his eyes. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, I started commenting as well, following up on him uh, on, um, on LinkedIn, on email. Uh, started jumping into multiple calls and then at the end I got the job. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, it's actually interesting for me to think about it now that... Um, you know, the role that I'm doing now, right? Yeah. Uh, the, the role I was doing at the end of my tenure at Shield, it was completely different than uh, yeah. uh, what I was doing at the beginning, right? Because at yeah. the beginning, we were like four people. Uh, my job was mostly, you know, removing uh, uh, the CEO um, and also the COO at that time from low value activities, right? I mean, okay. people should always like um, execute and plan the activities where they have the highest value, right? Value. Yeah. Yeah. 
So at that time, you know, like for example, the CEO was doing a lot of demos, right? Uh, uh, with, uh, you know, B2C user. I was like, hey, perhaps, you know, maybe you shouldn't do this, right? Perhaps I could do this and then yeah. try to understand how to better, like, uh, optimize our time here because, you know, perhaps your time is spent better some, uh, elsewhere, right? Yeah. Within yeah. the company. Yeah. So that was my first activity. Like, hey, how do I remove, um, you know, the more senior people who actually know the industry Mm. to focus on what they do best, right? Mm. Which is mm. for, uh, you know, uh, Andrea is a great copywriter, mm. like a great uh, person, uh, you know, at communicating. Mm. It's a person with charisma, uh, mm. really good at communicating. Mm. So perhaps, you know, like, um, instead of, you know, spending 30 minutes with like a low fit prospect, you know, he might have wanted uh, uh, to post on LinkedIn to generate mm. uh, uh, and educate the market. So that was kind of, you know, the, the way I joined Shield basically um, was uh, working for sales company with increasing responsibilities and the increasing uh, number of mistakes and also learnings mm. uh, to then join Shield as not only the sales person, basically. So I wanted to go back a little bit to some of the points that you raised. So one of the things was about, you know, when you became responsible for Italy, for that company, how did you feel having that kind of that kind of broad remit because that's quite a quite a big task you know and it's quite so we talk on this podcast about entrepreneurs so people who have entrepreneurial mindsets and they choose to apply those to companies so you kind of were starting your own business within Italy almost from scratch in a way right no one had really known the company there so how did you feel having that big broad responsibility for Italy yeah it's um, so basically the company had three clients in Italy Okay. Who came all from inbounds, right? So, uh, right. but you know, Italy is like a 60, 61 million people. Yes. Um, so for biggest country in, in Europe, right? So of course there were a lot of, uh, um, there was a lot of potential um, with that market. So the way I approached it was like, hey, uh, I need to first learn how to, um, how to communicate, right? properly develop a position. I need to hmm. understand the ideal uh, customer profile here. So for me, of course, um, I got uh, my supervisor at that time. Uh, great, uh, great supervisor, by the way, uh, Alexandra. Uh, so I asked her, hey, can, can you tell me, you know, why people, what, why companies are buying this product in the first place? Can you hmm. show me the use cases, right? Hmm. And then I got some use cases and then I was like, okay, so these are kind of some attributes um, th these are some of the, of, of, the, of the attributes companies have when they uh, evaluate a product, this one, right? So, so I basically got back to the basics, pain points, companies were solving for them. Uh, what was the cost of doing nothing mm. between their way of handling that and switching to that? Mm. What was the cost of switching? What was the industry? Um, what was the headcount? What was the budget needed to that? So basically, you know, I really depicted the um, the ideal customer profile there. Hmm. And then what I did wasn't wasn't uh, targeting the um, top tier companies because I was like, hey, I need to uh, I need to mess up a little bit yes. before having you know my proper sequences, my proper templates, my proper processes. So I was like, hey, I'm gonna target low tier companies. Jump into Foucault with them. Uh, I was expecting to not close anything, right? Because, well, hey, I need to learn here. So I took mm. the first month only to learn. 
and to structure my processes, right? Uh, and that was really helpful, right? Because that helped me to really understand not uh, to understand who not to target. Yes. Tell me understand what questions to ask. Mm. Uh, and it helped me understand as well how to structure my time. Mm. Mm. That's good. I remember the first emails, you know, I was sending, they weren't automated. I was sending them manually and I was, I had basically two, I remember I had two buckets, right? I had like one email and then another email. I was like really A-B testing, see which one was performing better. Um, and then, you know, once I had the one I wanted more, uh, which was gauging, you know, uh, in email for interest and then for a call, mm. I was like, okay, I want to have this one, right? And then I'm going to iterate on this, on this one. Um, so that was really helpful right? because I really, you know, by having a, a clear, uh, customer profile, but I really started from low tier, um, prospects. Mm. I got basically, um, a set of processes, practices, um, and accounts to target later on. Right. Mm. Cause then I'm mm. like, okay, I feel confident, mm. um, handling, you know, this kind of, uh, uh SMB accounts. Uh, perhaps now I can, you know, uh, increase, the, uh, increase the complexity a little bit and target mm. the right prospect. Mm. Um, but I, yeah, so that, that was definitely really helpful. Um, and then I, I, I really, you know, identified the top 10, top mm. 15 accounts uh, by fit. I was like, okay, I think these are legitimately, you know, top 10, 15 accounts. I could spend my time in the mm. next months, in the mm. next three, four months mm. targeting. Right, so I had to um, I had to really um, delete it uh, and remove all type of assumptions that I had. Right, I was like, okay, I strongly believe about this, but I need to test it out. Right, mm -hmm. so I had this list of about ten, fifteen accounts. I started targeting. I was targeting three, four people per company. Um, I was trying to understand more the strategy to handle a spe the spe that specific problem rather than asking for a call. Mm. And that's uh, how I learned how to involve multiple stakeholders in deals, right? Which for me is how really you can close enterprise deals. Mm. Uh, if you only talk to one person in a company, yeah. especially large companies, it's really complicated to close the deal, right? Because unless you're talking to really the, uh, the C-level executive handling that budget, it's really complicated, you know, to close the deal by targeting only one person. So I was like, hey, who is the person experiencing the pain first? Who has to handle this admin work on a daily basis? I'm going to talk, I'm going to contact that person. Then I'm going to ask for a referral to that person mm. to be introduced to, you know, people uh, in perhaps other departments, mm. people uh, handling that issue mm. at a higher level. So perhaps mm. budgeting, um, and then, you know, involve people in finance mm. as well. So it was always like try to um, involve more and more people mm. and try to always keep all the people informed about what was happening, you know, because mm. Mm. Um, what I see, especially on LinkedIn, is that people talk about how to add multiple people, but they don't really talk about how to keep everyone informed in That's the true. mood, in the stakeholders, uh, 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 ecosystem for that company, right? So if mm. you're targeting seven stakeholders, of course, you need to keep them all in the same email threads, but that's sometimes that's not possible. So how do you keep everyone mm. 
informed about what's happening, you know? Mm. So they don't necessarily need to over-communicate with each other. Mm. Did you, so did my, you find my a way that was like, Oh, sorry. Did you find yes. a way to do that that was efficient, that worked? Yes, I, I had built a template uh, that I was like basically sending to everyone involved. You know, I was really taking my time for that. I was like, okay, I need to send this, I need to send this email without being um, intrusive, you know? Yes. Without asking for people time. I think that for me was the key. So I will send this email and say, hey, um, I, I just want to keep you informed about this. No need to reply. Mm-hmm. To me, the key was like mentioning no need to reply. Because mm-hmm. when you actually are not asking people's time or you're, you're not asking people commitment for something. Yes. It just simplifies your work. Um, because automatically people only, has to, people only have to read. So I was trying to keep them informed mm. without asking for their time. Mm. Mm. Uh, when this was happening, you know, I got automatically you know, people more bought in what I was doing, you know. Of mm. course, let's be honest here. If the product isn't good, you don't sell yeah. it. Yeah. So I had a really good product, Qit, mm. uh, mm. which was this product to handle web traffic peaks especially okay. for events like Black Friday, mm. Cyber Monday, mm. all of that. So the product was great. Uh, it was definitely, you know, the, the, you know, the, the undiscussed leader in that specific niche. So they were really helping, you know, um, uh, online stores, yeah. uh, consumer electronics store, yeah. uh, or even a, a limited edition of, uh, uh, you know, uh, sneakers, you know. Mm. Mm. So all these business experiences, specific web traffic picks. So the product was good. They were solving a clear issue, mm. a clear problem. Mm. Companies, you know, uh, unless they had a big budget to solve it internally by, you know, scaling their internal infrastructure, they had the need for a product like that. So mm. I always come back to, you know, I had a great product with a mm. strong product market fit. Mm. I had a clear, um, idea customer profile. And then I had a clear list of 10, 15 accounts I wanted to target over time for the next three, four months, mm. Mm. you know, and then I was really, you know, uh, spending my time, resources, and, you know, um, and I was trying to active across those channels uh, 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 where the buyers were hanging out. So that gives me really the foundation of, you know, how even uh, I approach content creation. Mm. Mm. And would you say that your time there was successful? Like, how did you grow the business from when you started to when you left? Yes. So, uh, so basically, across three deals mm-hmm. uh, in uh, that uh, year, uh, because I was working part time at that time, you know. Right. Okay. Yeah, I was. You know, it was my. Um, I was still studying, so I was right. finishing my master, but I was working part time. So in that okay. year and a half. Uh, I closed 190k wow. uh, um, dollars. Hmm. Um, so I closed like three deals. Wow, three deals. Okay. So one was like 160k. So it was a hmm. big logo. Hmm. Um, uh, another one was another big logo, uh, but it was like you know a low. Um, it was a, a smaller deal size, mm-hmm. and then was another one mm-hmm. uh, which was an SMB. So in that year and a half, close 190k dollars uh, working mm. part time. Uh, wow. For me, was was good, That's especially great. because I was. Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah, great. Yeah, especially because you know I was like, um, it was the Italian market, you know. So yeah. um, 
some you know some some of these were lost because of lack of, because of the lack of budget, you know, because, mm. you know, you're selling a tennis product to Italian companies. Yeah. Some of them didn't have the budget. Uh, some of them, you know, were simply not the best fit, uh, mm. but that, that was the result. So, um, 190 K in a year and a half working part-time. So uh, right. that definitely gave me confidence, uh, yeah. in what I was doing, how I was doing it and gave me a, a great confidence boost uh, for the next moves, you know. And then you mentioned about going into your head of sales role um, because you wanted to learn in terms of recruitment and leading a team and things like that. So I'd love to hear about what you learned about leadership um, during your time in that role. Oof, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's a great question. Like, it's definitely, you know, uh, empathy. Mm. Mm. I think you can always improve uh, uh, as a leader with other uh, people. Um, as I mentioned to you, uh, uh, before the call, uh, in my role at Shield, I didn't have a team, right? Yeah. So I was in this kind of coordinating uh, role. But before that, mm. in that company, you know, as head of sales, what I learned was actually, hey, how do I, um, you know, remove blockers? Yes. How do I remove blockers from people? Um, how do I keep them engaged in what we're doing? Because it mm. is still not a super exciting job most of the times, you know, to... Uh, to prospect people mm. full time, mm. you know, most people will say it's not an exciting job. So how do you keep people engaged uh, without necessarily talking about work? I think for me, that was really important because um, I was, I wasn't talking that much about work with, the, with, with them, you know, it was mostly talking about, Hey, um, what, what makes you worried, you know? Mm. Um, what what does it make you confident mm. when you have, when you're in front of another person presenting mm. this? Mm. So I try to kind of uh, um, took a, a broader angle yes. than just talking about work. Yes, it was more about hey, what? Uh, how do you how, how do I make you uh, successful based on what you want to achieve in the long run? Mm. Do you want to mm. do this job or not? Mm. And if you don't want to do, do this job now, how can I help you? Um, transition to that. Mm. So, mm. I think you know, trying to understand the motivations of people mm. is really like the first step to have uh, um, a trusty relationship with them. So, mm. I think that for me was really important because for me, you know, before actually, you know, uh, hiring, recruiting, I was thinking, hey, okay, it's it's really about how to to keep them productive at work, but you know, yeah. it's a, it's it's the much easier to be sent to be done, you know? So you really need to kind of understand. I started asking other people as well. So how do you do this? You know, because mm-hmm. I, I'm new to the game here, you know, I need, to, you know, for sure people, you know, have much more experience than me, know this better than me. So like, hey, I was asking, you know, people in different, uh, asking mostly friends, you know, okay, friends, how they were doing this. Um, perhaps they were in a different industry. So how they were handling that. Um, so it was really a great, great learning curve, you know, because you, you, you try to understand the motivations of people. You, you ask other people around as well, how they handle mm. that, mm. um, while still, you know, um, doing prospecting work because I was still doing mm. prospecting work. Mm. It, it, so it's, um, uh, it was challenging, you know, mm. uh, because you want to pay, att- you want to pay attention to the people, uh, you have close to yes. you, 
Yes. Um, but you still need time to actually, you know, prospect. Need the work. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, <laughs> and work, you know? Yeah. It was really tough, honestly, you know? Um, and to be honest with you, um, for me, it was really, really tough that I was like, hey, perhaps I need to find a different spot here mm. um, where I can, uh, uh, you know, learn, you know, perhaps new skill, new skills like content creation. Because mm. for me, it was really challenging, you know, mm. like you are in the middle of a, of a pandemic, mm. um, trying to keep people even, uh, you know, quiet uh, yeah. and, you know, satisfied about the job yeah. when you know that, you know, companies are just not going to buy, you know, for the next three, four months because they don't even know if they can survive, you know, so it was really complicated for me. Like, um, it taught me a lot, but it was complicated to... I wasn't even sure I could like, even source my own pipeline. You know, how how could mm -hmm. I even uh, um, how could I even uh, um, you know convey this confidence to other people uh, in my team? You know, mm. um, so it was really challenging. You know, mm. how how did you make it through the challenge? What kept you going? Whew, um, definitely uh, having those you know, uh, to people close to me, who, you know, we were sharing a lot of uh, um, uh, frustrations. We were sharing a lot of, uh, you know, there were more frustrations at that moment than successes. Yeah. Um, yeah. So the people I shared those moments with, it definitely, mm. you know, uh, kept me going, mm. Uh, mm. really. Uh, like having people I could talk to uh, during the pandemic because I was even, uh, you know, I, I, I was even... Uh, I wasn't even considering my job safe at that moment. Right. You know? Um, mm. So definitely, you know, having people close to you, you can share uh, your, uh, your challenges, your frustrations, mm. and also your long-term motivations for me was what kept me going, mm. uh, especially during those two months of mm. pandemic, uh, I worked mm. there. Mm. But so, I, as I told you, uh, I was... I was still looking for my next adventure because I felt like um, I wanted to expand myself into a different role than uh, only working in sales. Mm. One, of the, one of the things you mentioned is that people don't necessarily always enjoy prospecting, but it seems like you actually quite enjoy it. So I would love to know what's your kind of top tips for prospecting because it seems like you actually quite like it. It's it's a it's a good question. I mean, uh, um, I, I'm I sometimes like it, sometimes I don't. You know, I think it can be the really a good, it can be a really good entertaining job when you when you have everything, yeah, um, good properly, like a yeah. clear idea, customer yeah. profile, uh, the the right time to actually yeah. put your your mind into it, right? But it can also be a horrible job. I think mm. when you mm. don't have a when you have like a, a really competitive uh, ecosystem, um, when uh, the product is new, um, so I do enjoy it. I am I'm, I'm grateful for what the role gave me. Mm. Um, for the soft skill, soft and hard skills, um, mm. I got from it. Mm. Um, but to reply to your question, is like what. Uh, what what really are my, the, the, you know, my, my approach to it is really like, 
it all comes down it all comes down to defining the idea customer profile right so um and again if you have just started doing sales you know this might take you know more time because you, you still need time to you know research your customer mm. to talk to uh people in the industry uh, but definitely you know first step defining the customer profile so um the companies we're targeting what goals are we solving for them mm. uh, how are how are they handling uh right now uh these specific uh, issues well, you need to understand the problem first mm. how then how they're handling the issue um how big is the pain? So how much can you charge for it? Mm. No? Um, the industry experiencing this, mm. the headcount of the company is experiencing this. Uh, what's, if you're selling a software, which was my case over the last seven years, like uh, what's the technologic information you need about the company? If you're selling a CRM, uh, uh, you know, you, you you know, your product most likely need integration with other tools, mm. right? Uh, and then once you have defined, you know, this uh, idea customer profile, this company, um, who are the buyer persona? Mm. Like what roles are they covering? Um, um, you know, in what, in what channels are they hanging out? Right. Are, are they in specific communities? Are there mm. communities elevating a specific, uh, niche talking about that problem? Mm. Um, what's the buying committee of those companies? As mentioned before, you know, you, you most likely you need to, to, to contact multiple stakeholders within the company. So who is the person experiencing that? Uh, who is the person next in mm. the, um, uh, in the hierarchy, let's say within the company? To, to talk to who is the decision maker there. So having this idea about the idea customer profile and the buyer persona is the first step, right? Mm. Um, the second step for me is really the channels where to be active. Mm. So um, where are they hanging out, mm. right? Because mm. when you sell software, you know, especially in to software companies, mm. um, you know, you're using emails, you're using LinkedIn, mm. right? But, you know, if you are selling a product to restaurant owners, well, maybe, you, you know, they're not going to check LinkedIn that much. Perhaps mm. you need to call them, mm. right? Uh, perhaps you need to write them on Instagram. You need to test it. You, know, you need to test this out. So mm. um, not all the channels work for every industry, you know? Um, so I think the, those two are the tricky questions to come out with for sure, uh, mm. an action plan, mm. right? So just to give you an example here, you know, when I joined shield, um, I, I started, you know, uh, by taking uh, more calls, but they were mm. mostly inbound calls at the beginning. Okay. Right. So the idea was like, Hey, how do we, um, how do we optimize the inbound channel first? Because the company was getting a lot a lot of uh, uh, signups and inbound from B2B companies through word of mouth. So how do we optimize this first? Um, so definitely that was a great learning curve too, because I also, I also learned mo more about the inbound uh, channel too. But at that moment I was like, Hey, how do I uh, double down on what's already working? 
people are, you know, we're sending a LinkedIn analytics uh, uh, company uh, to LinkedIn users. So people mm. are going to be active on LinkedIn. So mm. posting on LinkedIn, right? Mm. Uh, that was my first step. So posting on LinkedIn, try to uh, create a content strategy around uh, uh, those people challenges and uh, focus on content distribution, right? Mm. How do we distribute them uh, consistently across those channels? Uh, how do we elevate that mm. specific ICP over time through content, mm. right? So that was my first step because that was the top performing uh, a channel for the company. Thanks to the CEO, the CEO has had a, a you know, a good uh, uh, online presence generating inbound awareness and generating as well uh, uh, inbound talent. So that was mm. the first uh, activity working. So I doubled down on that. Mm. Um, so again, when it comes to sales, you have different ways of approaching. Mm. Um, for me, she was definitely, hey, see what's working, try to replicate that on my own so I can, you know, be a revenue operator, let's say, mm. generating awareness from my profile. And then from there, we add other activities um, across other channels, which can be email. Yes. Mm. Um, then we noticed, you know, that we wanted to, to double down on uh, word of mouth. So we created specific campaigns as end of the year stats, like Spotify has, like Spotify has, hey, check your, check your yearly stats here uh, and right. then share it online. Mm. So, so when it comes to sales, perhaps, you know, like, uh, especially software sales, when you sell it to enterprises, but definitely, you know, you go on, uh, uh, you know, outbound mode or account-based marketing, mm. you target high deal size, but you know, when you are, you know, selling to, um, mm. uh, individuals, you're selling to SMBs, mm. perhaps you have different approaches there, right? Mm. You might use more, um, you might you may want to try uh, to trigger more word of mouth mm. uh, through your employees, personal content, um, a newsletter as well. Um, you may want to have like an event you organize, you call your, you know, your customers or your prospects as well. Mm. Um, that's also another way, right? I mean, um, you might want to create original content mm. by, you know, interviewing your top prospects. Yes. Right. So that way you are able to um, create content for your audience, target audience, and also to talk to your uh, uh, prospects mm. in a not salesy way. So yeah. you have different approaches there. And I think uh, I'm really grateful uh, to Shield because it gave me the opportunity to, you know, explore these other ways to generate demand and mm. create demand for a specific mm. service and product. Mm. Mm. That's really good. That's really good. And you mentioned that you wanted to figure out your next adventure after sales. And so that's your, your move into RevOps, right? Yes. So I would love for you uh, to yes. go. No, 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 please, please. You know, I'm Italian. So sometimes I just like, I get too excited to talk, you know? So, <laughs> so, so what I was going to ask you is for, for you to explain to those who don't really know what is RevOps about and what is it that you've, that you're the company that you founded, what is it that you do? Yes, yes, great question. So, um, so RevOps is a new function within the company. It's one of the most growing functions, especially in, uh, uh, in American companies at the moment. So mm. to put it really simple, right? What is RevOps? Is this function aligning um, 
the user journey from the awareness stage to the renewal stage. Hmm. So you are aligning this user journey across tools, technology, data, hmm. um, and teams and people, hmm. right? So you are so basically you have this user journey from the moment you want to generate the awareness across yeah. the channels. You're active to the renewal stage, to the to the stage where people you know are actually renewing the usage and the subscription of your product. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So that's in short. I mean, it's much easier to be said than to be done because uh, um, uh, as you well understand, like you are coordinating and you are like. Uh, talking to a lot of teams, mm. you know, so you're not only just sales, but you are talking to marketing for the awareness stage. So marketing operations, mm. you're talking to sales to, you know, enabling sales, mm. you know, to use the right tech stack with tools connected to each other, um, uh, with the right training, you're talking to customer success to make sure that there is a proper handoff between sales and customer success. Mm. Um, you're talking to customer success to give them more information on what are the unhealthy customers. So those are, that are more likely to churn. Mm. You're talking to finance as well for managing all the tools the company have. Mm. Right. Uh, at Shield, we didn't, I, I didn't have like any house finance. I was talking to the CEO for this. Yeah. Um, but you know, you're talking to multiple teams, talking to sales, customer success, marketing. Mm. Uh, if you have like a prospecting team, you're also talking to them, perhaps, mm. Mm. uh, you're talking to C-level executives to really understand what are their key priorities at the moment. Mm. So is this, this is this type of function, which is really, um, it's this sort of glue, yes. right? Across the yeah. department is this glue. Um, preventing or trying to prevent silo teams, you know, I see. Uh, and it's a new function. Um, I, I, you know, again, credits to the CEO of Shield, Andreas, to to give me the opportunity to test myself in a new uh, in a new role. Mm. Uh, it isn't obvious for all the companies to give everyone this opportunity, so mm. uh, give me the opportunity for that. Uh, when I transitioned into this role, I was completely new. So mm. I had to study a lot. I had to ask the people who were more experienced than me in sales operations and marketing operations, how they were handling that, mm. you know, because for me, I had kind of no reference, you know, mm. Mm. Uh, it was a completely new job. I was there. Um, so I had to ask a lot of people how they were handling this, uh, what were their tips to handle a specific issue, mm. uh, what was their framework. And then, you know, I started, you know, checking the framework. I started doing more research, testing my own frameworks and all of that. To reply to the other question, what I'm doing now, I uh, recently, you know, transitioned into, um, into you know, uh, founder of my own company, as you. Um, so I'm, um, I started two weeks ago, so I'm still oh, wow. uh, fresh. Uh, fresh. Yeah. I'm still really fresh. Um, but yeah, I'm basically, you know, helping, uh, companies, B2B companies, uh, mostly early stage to structure the revenue operations, right. To, you know, okay. We have the user journey here. We define our ideal customer profile. We map out the user journey. And then we understand the type of activities we can do 
perhaps you know um the founders are doing some manual work that can be automated mm. uh, perhaps you know if you're selling a b2c product uh and you know people are canceling your product you can win them back so how do you win them back mm. um how do you integrate tools across each other mm. um how you make sure that you are achieving more revenues you are retaining more customer uh, with the, uh, fewer uh, resources and time. Mm. That's kind of the, the goal behind the, the function and my uh, role, which is why I, dec I decided to transition into, uh, uh, into this uh, new journey. And what does success look like for you with your new company? That's a, that's a good question. And I mean, I'm still, uh, uh, I'm still wondering that myself. Right? Like mm. for me right now, already after two weeks, uh, into this, uh, I evaluate success uh, as kind of learnings, right? Hey, mm. uh, I mean, um, let's hope I'm about to land my first client after two weeks uh, this week. Uh, I'm pretty confident about that. Uh, yeah. Let's see, let's see, you know, yeah. uh, but thanks for that. Uh, but right now, the way I see a learning is like, hey, two weeks within uh, this new adventure, I need to do I need to be able to execute what before other people were doing for me. Mm. Uh, not for me, but they were doing for the company, right? The company, so, yeah, yeah. Um, so, so for instance, you know, the last two weeks, I, I put my head on uh, Figma for design work, for better presentation. I put my head on Miro for be able to, you know, provide more visuals as well. Um, and others more example, like, uh, you know, this part of me, you know, uh, how the VAT uh, works, <laughs> you know, all yeah. of this stuff. So how do you actually invoice people, uh, mm. considering you're a resident in this country? Um, so for me right now, it's all, all of this is really interesting, right? Mm. Uh, right now, uh, I, I just, I'm not reading it yet, but I just ordered it. I order $1 million consulting. Okay. Um, I don't recall the whole thing. I can, I can find it. Um, mm. uh, but it's this kind of book to understand how to structure a value-based pricing. Mm. Right. Mm. So right now I want to kind of better understand how to, you know, frame my value-based price, my value-based pricing properly. Mm. You know, I mean, mm. even at shield, I, I, I gained practical experience on the different way to package pricing, mm. you know, so how do you package pricing? How do you do tier pricing, uh, pricing with the trial pricing without trial? So I tested a yeah. lot there, but you know, it's a different game. You know, this better than me. Uh, it's a different game where you need to price your service as a consultant, mm. Mm. right? How do you price as a consultant? Uh, do you want to have a monthly retainer? So you have a sort of subscription yeah. with companies. Do you want to charge by project? So right now, this is kind of how I um, determine success is really kind of learning, okay. uh, learning these basics um, as a, you know, uh, solopreneur, let's say, uh, of course, don't get me wrong. I most of the time success based on, uh, uh, you know, um, free time that I have, okay. uh, ability to manage my own schedule. So that's already something I'm, I'm doing now, which is mm. great. Mm. Um, but again, how much money can I make by helping the right companies? 
yes. with the right time off for myself. Yes. That's uh, that's I will say in the long run that's how I will evaluate uh, uh, this activity. Uh, and again, if we look at the really long, long run, um, the way I see this is like one revenue stream. Mm. So my goal in the long run is to be able to have multiple revenue streams. Okay. So consulting is one, mm. um, you know, perhaps having a paid newsletter and I have a newsletter, I'm still developing this. So to have a paid newsletter, uh, um, I mean, you know, a paid community. Mm. Um, so again, this is not like uh, set in stone, you know, but yeah. it's more like, Hey, how do I position myself the best mm. way possible mm. to have the opportunity mm. um, to then add multiple revenue streams? Mm. Perhaps being able to, you know, call my own software in the long run around mm. revenue operations. Mm. That's another one, you know? Mm. So uh, right now I really focus on, hey, how do I document my learnings? Mm. How do I improve as a, um, you know, solopreneur founder to be mm. able to then take the next uh, steps? Mm. Mm. I think it's, it's a really exciting journey. Um, and I think that what you're building is something that companies really need because you often see the, the gaps and the cracks and the, like I said, the silos between the different functions. And if they actually ran better together, it would be so much more efficient and profitable without much more effort. So I think it's, it's a really necessary thing that you're doing. So I'm really excited to see your progress and see how, see how you grow. Thanks a lot. Thanks a lot. Uh, I think what's interesting here is that revenue operation is still this young function, you know, I mean, before uh, it had different names, it was like sales operations, marketing mm. operations, custom, uh, customer success operations, but they were all kind of separated functions, you know? Mm. Mm. So this is kind of a term. I mean, I don't want to say something I don't know, but I, yeah. <laughs> I would say that it became a little bit more common to talk about it, like in the last two, three years. Um, mm. So I think, you know, um, the, re the existing research about this specific function mm. is still uh, young mm. uh, and many people from different backgrounds are approaching this, you know, so mm. you have people coming from sales like myself, mm. you have people coming from customer success, mm. um, you know, transitioning into this function, you have people from marketing, mm. transitioning into this, and then you have people from finance. Yeah, people from uh, billing uh, backgrounds. What was the best advice that you've ever been given? The way you behave in front of others affect others. Hmm. And I think that for me was like a big uh, advice because, um, you know, especially in the past, uh, I was also emotional, you know. I mean, I'm still, everyone is emotional, but I was more hmm. emotional, right? Hmm. And I was struggling a little bit sometimes to control... Uh, 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 especially, you know, my face uh, reactions, you know, which, uh... <laughs> um, so I think that, uh, that advice was really good. Okay. Uh, I just do one, Pablo, uh, my former CEO at Shield, who gave me this advice is like, Hey, uh, what you do, the way you do things affect others around you. Hmm. Hmm. So that was a great advice because, it, you know, it was like, Hey, control yourself. <laughs> I love that. I love that. What's the what's the proudest moment of your career so far? Um it is actually related to team goals. Okay. Uh rather than individual goals. 
uh, I mean, I don't have a long career, right? Uh, uh, but for me, uh, the best was actually uh, during my time at Shield, mm. uh, when as a bootstrapped company, so without funding, we were able to hire people. Mm. So we were creating employment uh, thanks mm. to our work. Mm. I think that for me was really uh, satisfying because we're like, hey, okay, you know, we are helping people mm. um, doing what they want to do. Mm. Especially we're helping, you know, we were hiring a lot of, uh, you know, part-time, uh, part-time workers mm. who were studying. Mm. So we're, hi- we're ha- helping a lot of these student workers mm. to get their hands dirty in their uh, desired field. While co- uh, growing the company um, uh, sustainably, so I think that was the the key. Uh, that that was for me the proudest moment uh, I got. Mm. That's awesome. That's awesome, Filippo. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. I've really enjoyed our conversation. So thank you so much for your time and for sharing your journey. Amazing. No, thanks a lot for inviting me. It was great and a great question. Not definitely. Uh, de- definitely, you know, uh, worth uh, uh, talking more even after this. Uh, I appreciate, appreciate being invited. Definitely. I'd love to, I'd love to keep in touch as, as we go forward. So thank you so much. And thank you, everyone, for listening. And we'll see you on the next episode. Thanks for listening to What Makes You Tick. And I hope you've enjoyed listening as much as I've enjoyed having the conversation. Absolutely. You don't have to have met someone in real life to be mentored by them, right? We've all got favorite sales books. And hopefully this podcast is giving you access to a whole new tribe of mentors who through their stories and best advice will help you to achieve a bigger and better career in tech. So if you want to never miss a beat, subscribe now and then you'll get notified as soon as next week's mentor releases their story. Thank you so much and we'll see you on the next episode.